apparently millennials as a generation, which is a group of people who were born approximately uh, 1984 and after, um, uh, are tough to manage. And they're accused of being entitled and narcissistic, self-interested, unfocused, lazy. But entitled is the big one. Surprise, motherfucker. What's going on, everybody? Uh, episode 19 of the Casual Millennials Podcast, and I am happily joined by a guy who I'm a big fan of, John Kilmer. And uh, John, how are you tonight? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. We just finished up chatting about the podcast and about everything. So uh, tell the people who you are if they don't already know. All right. I'm laying in bed. I'm all cozy. I'm ready to do the podcast. Um, they call me John Kilmer, the filmer. That's because I'm... Uh, I'm the guy that's usually holding the camera most commonly on stage filming concerts, even more commonly with my buddy Mike Studd. And uh, yeah, just to give you a little background about myself, um, I, I guess I consider myself a, a music and a video producer. Uh, I work mostly in the music industry. Uh, right now I live out in Los Angeles with my buddies, uh, Mike Studd and a few other people, and we all kind of work together out here. We've been working together for about eight years now, which is pretty crazy. We're all old as fuck. Um, <laughs> I would say that, uh, you know, mostly right now, like we're just we're working on our podcast, uh, you never know podcast, which we've been doing for the last three or four months, starting to pick up steam. So I've been producing that. That's been taking up most of my time, I'd say, uh, that Mike and I have been doing. But other than that, man, like I, uh, you know, I've I've filmed like eight to 10 national tours, mostly with Mike, but I've been on the road with people like Kendrick Lamar and like Steve Aoki. Um, I just finished shooting my first movie, The Primrose, uh, which was uh, all, you know, crowdfunded and I, I wrote and directed it myself. It's, it was like a two year process. So I'm just kind of coming to the end of that. And yeah, dude, I love music. I love film. And, uh, you know, I've always worked for myself. Uh, I've never really worked for a company before. So it's just kind of been like a long road of, you know, doing doing things on my own and trying to figure shit out, and I'm, I'm still figuring shit out. That's great. Um, take, let's take that back even farther. You know, where do you come from, and then, you know, did you go to college at all, and um, just kind of from there, and then how you ended up in LA? Sure. Uh, so I, I I guess I started loving music and video production right around the same time, probably like right when I was uh, 14 years old. I was I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and I, I was fortunate enough to have a high school that offered both a music program and a film program, uh, which is pretty rare in, in high schools, I guess. So I right away, I kind of fell in love with um, playing the guitar. I, fell, I picked up a video camera right when I was you know, a freshman in high school, and uh, I kind of loved doing both simultaneously. Uh, that led me to go on and go to college uh, in New York at Hofstra University where I got a film degree. That's also when I did like the fraternity thing. So that, that's kind of drew a lot of inspiration for, uh, you know, my first movie, The Primrose. Uh, but even throughout college, I was, you know, getting a film degree and simultaneously I was like the, the dude who had the recording studio in the basement of the fraternity house. And, uh, you know, that just kind of like made me like the, the music guy and the film guy and, I started working with clients probably like around my uh, senior year in college. I uh, had, you know, like some somewhat notable people I was working with in like the Long Island, uh, the New York, Long Island scene. And once I graduated college, uh, you know, I was kind of like, like I could shoot video, I could engineer audio, I could, you know, produce music. And I was kind of like this one-stop shop for musicians, which kind of made me, uh, uh, I don't know, kind of like attractive to work with. So, I think that's how I started working with so many people in the beginning. And right out of college, uh, you know, like talk about like super struggle. I moved to New York City, which is like um, super ambitious. But I, I moved there with a couple buddies and I, I started my business in a 10 foot by 10 foot bedroom. My bed was on one side and my desk was on the other side. And I woke up every day and I just made beats. I fired out emails and I, I just started like, you know, working with more and more people until I – uh, you know, got like a big enough client list to to support myself. Nice. That's kind of uh, the entrepreneur dream there, you know, kind of 
do what you want, learn what you want to do um, while you're in college. And then on top of that, working in that industry and then going to move to Manhattan or New York City is uh, that's awesome to hear. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I'm always really curious about when I get to talk to people, especially who are in kind of the entrepreneurship um, track or in that business for your sake, um, what like I guess maybe because you were younger and right out of college, it wasn't as bad. But looking back, do you just like did you see the risk at all? Were you worried about it? Because I think as a naturally conservative person, I mean, I, I got my accounting degree, I got my master's degree, I did <laughs> yeah. kind of the normal track, right? Um, yeah. Do you look back and kind of think about that at all? And in the moment, did you feel it at all? I mean, everything I did, it felt right. You know, like I, there wasn't any points where I was like uh, worried or like regretting my decision. Uh, I knew that like what I wanted to do I knew that I didn't want to work for any companies. I mean, like right around when I was graduating, I was interning for like this post audio house that did like audio editing for uh, like video games and movies and commercials and shit like that. And dude, it was just like such a fucking bore. And I had to like answer to people and I had to do all like this bullshit work. And like I, it just I didn't, I didn't really like, and I, I didn't really feel passionate about it. And what, what I did feel passionate about was just kind of like you know, reaching out to people and, and working with them and collaborating with artists and stuff like that. And, you know, especially back then, it was like 2010 when I graduated college, there was actually like a very high demand for um, like music video producers, especially like on the, you know, like low budget, like worlds of music videos, because YouTube was so popular and like everyone who was starting up wanted music videos. So there was definitely a market for it. I, I guess I kind of caught it uh, at a really good time. Um, so I wouldn't say there was much of a struggle in the beginning uh, per se, because uh, I actually kind of had somewhat of a reputation and like a, my business kind of already started up by the time I was out of college. So the real struggle, honestly, was just, um, you know, living in the biggest city in the United States and, and trying to support myself, you know, working for myself. And, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, does, that, does that answer your question at all? Yeah, no, it does. That was good. Yeah. I was kind of just letting you talk. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, nice. I think that um, this is probably a good time to talk about the Primrose because it does, the plot is centered around a um, recently graduated, um, a co recent college graduate whose fiance left him and finds out this big news that he is legacy to a secret fraternity and gets to go live in the house. Um, so talk to me about it. I loved the tip of the hat of the main character being named Steve. Shout out. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, so this was a couple year process, but I imagine you had the idea for the movie a couple years even before that. Yeah. So the, the process of writing this film or just the process of like me wanting to make a movie, I guess, started probably around like the beginning of 2017. Um, I knew like ultimately I wanted to make films. I wanted to write and direct films. And I guess I just took the plunge. You know, one day I was just like, I'm just going to fucking do it. Like I could, I could come up with a million reasons why I'm not ready or, you know, why I don't have enough money or whatever, enough help to do it. But I was just like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do it. Cause like, I'm not going to be a filmmaker until I make a film. So, um, I, I probably like started and scrapped like two or three movie ideas before I came up with the actual idea for the primrose. Uh, so it was like probably a good six months of me just like trying to figure out a story that was compelling enough, like that I like resonated and connected with enough that I could tell. Um, and then once that clicked, uh, it was probably like, you know, a good three or four months of just writing this movie, um, kind of loosely based on my life a little bit, but more so just uh, writing a story that people, young people around the age of like 22, like, you know, exiting college and going into the real world can connect to. So um, once the it was and then after that, the process was like really quick, I, the way things happened. Um, I finished the script. I, I took like two months to make a Kickstarter and uh, raised like my goal is to raise ten thousand dollars and raising about like twenty, twenty thousand dollars. Uh, my overall budget for the movie ended up only being about like thirty thousand dollars, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, that's like not a lot of money at all. Like that's yeah. that's like absolute peanuts. Like people, when people's like uh, refer to like low budget movies, that's usually like one 
two, three million dollars, and then people have like micro budget movies, and even that's like three to five hundred thousand dollars. So I'm working at like a tenth of a micro budget movie, which is like it's very hard to do. Um, so I knew I knew it was going to be uh, it was going to be hard. Yeah. Um, so what was after, the hardest part? I mean, yeah, the hard. I mean, it was all hard. You know, <laughs> it was all <laughs> hard. Um, rate the raising. Writing the script was hard. Raising the money was hard. Uh, and then after I raised the money, I I probably spent. I mean, as I was raising the money, I probably spent like two or three months just you know pre-production, like hiring everyone, casting everyone. Uh, luckily, I had like a good friend, uh, Jiggy, who's a comedian out of New York, who helped me produce this film. And uh, the organization and the planning just was so much work, you know. Uh, down to hiring a crew, casting the characters, uh, scheduling our 13 days of shooting. Uh, it was just, it was a lot, that was a huge hurdle. Because, you know, you're, you're essentially asking people to believe in your, your vision and to work for next to nothing, you know? And right. uh, I think one of the greatest accomplishments was hiring such like a great group of people uh, in the casting crew to like just come together and work on this project. Everyone, you know, really got along. Uh, we shot in Boston for... 13 days um that's i just wanted to shoot my hometown i thought that'd be sweet and you know while i was doing it i was you know obviously crashing with mom and dad <laughs> uh, just working any resources i could um and then yeah we did 13 like strenuous days of shooting back to back yeah no you know no days off um and that was like that was like going to summer camp every day man like it was everyone just got you know really like really clicked uh and um, you know, shooting was a lot of fun, but it was it was hard. It was you know, fifteen, thir- thirteen to fifteen hour shooting days every day. Uh, you know, I I probably didn't sleep much the whole time. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have a lot of money for like fancy craft services, so like we got you know some local food businesses to kind of like sponsor our shoot, and like we ate you know pizza and pasta every day, and like sub sandwiches and stuff. So, you know, we were in a way roughing it, but I, I think everyone uh, had a really good experience. What was and the then, biggest thing? You, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, yeah. What, was you, what were you gonna ask? I was just gonna ask what was the biggest thing that you learned because I mean, your first time shooting movie. Not only that, but you're running it. You're doing all this pre-planning. What was kind of the biggest thing that you think you stuck back that stuck out to you that you can like take with you if you do this again and when you do this again? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like the the main reason I didn't make this film to you know make a million dollars. I made this movie because I knew it was going to be just a huge learning experience, which it was. You know, like it kind of sucks. Like I, you know, I went to college and spent like however much money on a college degree when I learned 10 times as much, you know, for probably like a 10th of the cost just making my own film. So like, uh, I learned, I learned so much and the best part about it was making those mistakes. And I, I would say the biggest mistakes that I made was, um, probably the way I wrote the film was not really conducive for like a, a low budget movie. Um, and this, and in the, the sense that, you know, when you write a low budget movie, you don't want to have a ton of characters. You don't want to have a ton of locations. You don't want to have like people driving in cars and shit. That's like difficult to film. And like, I did all those things, you know, because like I was writing a movie that I had a vision for, but it didn't necessarily like fit a low budget, um, uh, movie. So if I, if I were to do it over again, like I would definitely make a more economical script, uh, I'd recommend that to anyone, you know, like (laughs) keep it, keep the character list down to like, you know, three or four, uh, keep the locations down to like three or four. And then there's little things you don't think about, like a movie that my movie took place over the span of like four or five days. So you get for everything. So have all these characters, different wardrobes, I just such a giant headache if you're doing it on your own versus if you just make a movie with like three or four people in it and it take over the course of like one day, they can just wear the same fucking thing every day. So there's like little things like that. Um, I I went to I went to school to write screenplays, so like I, I consider myself a good uh, screenplay writer. But you know, even then, I found myself you know seeing my words being acted out, and I'm like, oh, like some of this actually sucks balls. Like this is actually not good. And sure. I, I wouldn't have known unless I you know I actually went through this process. Because now it's like, okay, I know how to I know how to write better dialogue and more efficient dialogue. Uh, because like I, I've gone through this process, I know what works and what's too wordy and what doesn't work, and 
you know, really it's just like screenplay writing is like, it's so overlooked and so difficult because, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not just about what reads well on the page. It's like what, you know, transfers well into the acting and onto the, onto the screen. So that was, that was like probably the best learning process. And now going into this, uh, I'm, you know, my next movie, I'm, I'm definitely going to write a more economical script and just like, cause like, just to put in perspective, I, my script was like probably a hundred plus pages and you know, the rough cut of the film ended up being like an hour and 50 minutes, which is like way too fucking long. And I ended up cutting out like 35, around 30, 35 minutes of the movie. So like, that's all, you know, wasted time and wasted money that we spent that we, we already didn't have enough time and we didn't have enough money. And that's, you know, all that wasted because I just didn't write it correctly. So the screenplay is super important and uh, I can't stress enough, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, writing, writing a screenplay the correct way, especially if you're on a budget. Sure. And that's actually, I'm glad you talked about it because I was going to ask you about that, having been behind the camera for so long and kind of making beats in that sort of um, avenue of the art to writing a screenplay. I was curious on how that transition was. Um, another question that we ask every, almost every one of our guests and is, do you regret going to college? And that's something that you kind of just touched on how you learned more kind of in, you know, the 13, 14 day shooting than you did mm -hmm. your time in, in college. But do you think you regret it? And if you could go back, would you do it again? Or would you kind of just tell yourself to not go? No, man, honestly, like, I can't tell you what my path would have been if I didn't go. But man, like I attribute, like, I, there's no, there's not one chance I would be sitting here right now if I didn't go to college. And like, I think that's just more because of like the series of events. Uh, more like a butterfly effect of what got me here. Sure. Um, I guess like what the way it kind of really started was like, um, man, it's 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 just so weird how like all the stars aligned. I when I was like a junior in in college, I had my recording studio in like the basement of the fraternity house, and I was just making music for fun personally. I wasn't really working with anyone. I kind of like making my own music just for fun and like. You know, it was like funny music. It was like joke, joke music or whatever. And like I would just put it out for like my friends to fucking laugh at or whatever. Um, and then this guy ended up joining our fraternity, who ended up being Chris Webby, who's like an, a you know yeah. was a pretty big rapper at the time, um, at least like a big local rapper at the time. And he ended up joining our fraternity and then moving in like right above me. And he kind of like came by and he's like, hey, like you do music? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, like, you know, we should work together. So he was the first guy I ever worked with. And, you know, he lived right above me in the bedroom right above me. Uh, and then I'd say like my junior and senior year, his career kind of took off where he started uh, getting like a pretty decent fan base. And then all of a sudden I was known as like Chris Webby's producer, you know. So, so my senior year in college, like, Chris Webby led to like another guy I started working with and then like that other guy started leading like a whole bunch of other guys. So like it was kind of like this like domino effect of like one person leading to another person. And, you know, honestly, that's kind of what led me to, you know, working with Mike. Nice. So, like, I, so I don't regret, you know, going. Um, I definitely like see the flaws in, you know, the, the college system for sure. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. Like I was in a fraternity. Like I, I have so many memories that like, I'd never want to give up. So I, I loved college to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, I, I had a lot of things I loved about it. I had a lot of things I didn't like about it. I feel like that's most people's um, experience, at least with uh, higher education, but it's always interesting. And especially with someone, um, and please don't take this the wrong way, but got a degree in um, filmmaking, which isn't like um, a degree you necessarily need to have to go into the career, right? So that's kind of why I was more curious about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, especially like a film degree. Like I, I was going to, I was going to college in a very like, very like tough time because digital cinema work wasn't really a thing yet, mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that now like all of all these top movies now that you see in movie theaters they're shot digitally they're not shot on film and that transition was kind of happening like right as i was graduating so my curriculum of all my production classes we were like shooting on film oh, okay. and then then i leave college and everything is digital and i'm like well why the fuck did i just take all these classes where i learned film and now all these digital cameras are out that i don't know how to use yeah so like you know as far as film theory and like film studies like yeah 
and like and how to write screenplays and stuff yeah like that's that's all universal and like that was great but the technical aspect like holy shit i just had to teach myself from square like right as i graduated and that that was tough that was really hard i yeah i can't even imagine a lot of my stuff i always thought like at least what i learned was great in theory and like did the homework or whatever but i think it never really started clicking until i got into my career and like i was able to apply that theory and like kind of recognize things that were popping up that i remember vaguely learning as i imagine you kind of had similar um things so i think before um we dive into uh, a lot more about you i want to hear more about how the podcast is going with mike um the you never know podcast you know what i mean um mm-hmm. is out now and you produce it you're also uh, a featured guest on it a lot mm-hmm. it is a fun podcast but also very serious at times so talk me through about kind of how you guys came up with that idea and um how it's been going and you say it's taken up all your time as i can tell it uh <laughs> podcasts take up some time <laughs> at least some mine <laughs> yeah man I'll, I'll take this time to vent about that a little yeah, bit go but, for uh, it. <laughs> i'll tell you i'll tell you how we started though um i mean i guess i guess in a way we kind of just like hopped on the podcast train because it's just like a, it's a trending thing right now you know it's we don't we're not really trailblazers in the sense that you know we're doing a podcast and, and you know everyone's doing podcasts now <laughs> and uh i just think it was a, uh, and, and you know, I think Mike would agree that it was just like a, a great way for us to connect with our fan base, especially on a very personal level, in a way that even his music couldn't do. You know, like even a song can only connect with an audience so much versus sitting down and talking every week for over an hour. So, right. uh, I I guess in in that sense, that's probably what made us want to do it. Um, and honestly, it's great. It's been great sharing other people's stories and all the guests we've had. We've had some incredible guests, um, you know, come and tell their stories. You know, some like tremendous athletes like Jared Goff from the Rams and like Travis Kelsey from like the Kansas City Chiefs, um, and then like some great entrepreneurs on the show and really like just like such a wide variety of guests we've had in just in the four or five months we've been doing it. And learning their stories has been like truly inspiring, not only for our audience but for me too. So. Um, I think it was like, it's almost like ine- inevitable that we're going to do a podcast. So I'm, I'm glad that we started to do it. Um, and you know, we probably started this past summer. Um, I think tomorrow is going to be episode 26, I believe. So, uh, 26 weeks, you know, it's like, it's been, <laughs> it feels like it's, it, it honestly <laughs> gone like it, it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Cause like you just get into this cycle, uh, and I'm sure, you know, like you just get into this groove of like, all right, like today's this day of the week, I got to do this. And today's this day of the week, I got to do this to like, make sure everything's ready for like the, the Wednesday release. Um, but yeah, man, this, this has proven to be like a very, like another, like high mountain to climb as far as like the workload, you know, it's, uh, there's just so many aspects to it. And, you know, we have so many wonderful people that help us with this and work with us. You know, we have a whole, uh, promotional team of like five or six kids around the country that help us um, create promotional content for social media pages, uh, which is why we're able to post so much on those on Instagram and Twitter, uh, even Facebook. And, you know, we have people who help us film that uh, film the episodes, which uh, is a tremendous help, you know, being able to film the podcast like in 4k and, you know, put that on a YouTube every week um yeah i mean but it's it's hard though it's hard to um it's hard to produce the show as far as like organizing all this it's hard to edit you know an hour and a half video every week uh of you know people talking it's you know hard editing the audio you know and like making sure it sounds right it's it's a lot of work uh not to mention like you know making sure all the sponsors are happy getting sponsors in the first place because uh, a lot of you know for people who don't know just sometimes they use like these third-party services that kind of act as middlemen that connect ad that connect like brands uh with your podcast so like they'll they'll place ads for you and take a and take a percentage but we don't we don't use a service like that we do it ourselves so like we're constantly you know finding brands that fit um you know our like our brand i guess they find other brands that fit our brand that makes sense and uh and you know we make deals with them when we do it all ourselves so like it's you know it's a lot like i feel like i'm wearing like four or five different hats doing all this but you know at the same time we're just we're still starting out and like we're still growing and it's it's like super exciting just to see it build every week so it's it's it is great it's it 
and you you hit you hit right on the nose like all of the hard work so I mean a little bit of background about myself that you may not know so I do um I've been doing another podcast for this is my third year doing it I do one just strictly on the Milwaukee Bucks um because I live in Milwaukee from Wisconsin I was a huge Bucks fan and uh that was like my like roller coaster of a ride of trying to figure out how to do that all by myself I just have new people come on every week or every couple weeks so um that was a huge learning experience but I think I found and kind of the impetus for this podcast was like talking to new people and like learning their backgrounds. It's so intriguing Mm -hmm. and can be so helpful, especially if it's something that really relates to what you do. Um, I got to ask who's been your favorite guest so far. Um, Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Um, I don't don't know if favorite is the right word, but I'd say most influential um, was definitely like probably James Conner running back for the Steelers. His story is just like, he was, I think he was on episode four for us. So he was on like a very early episode for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, like just to give like a little nutshell of his backstory for people who don't know, uh, he, James went to, he went to college in Pitt. Um, he was like a star running back at Pitt. And I want to say his sophomore or junior year, I think his junior year in school, he was killing it in college, but he was diagnosed with a uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, you know, the doctors are saying he had like a week to live at that point um if he didn't get treated so he had to go through and at the same time he found out he got hodgkin's lymphoma he was also also overcoming a torn acl or a torn mcl i'm not sure which but he was overcoming like a you know an injury as well so he was simultaneously going through chemotherapy uh, for a few months while going to um uh you know while recovering from this knee injury and this is, you know, this is like a in, like a really tough time because it's, you know, right when he's getting drafted, you know, he, he was, he was at the time he said he was, uh, I think he was, he was like the second running back in the nation, um, going into the draft. But then he had to go through all this stuff. And long story short, he beat he beat the cancer. He overcame his leg injury. He got drafted, I think, in the third round by the Steelers. Um, and then, you know, after that, he had a whole different bunch of obstacles because like then uh you know that's when Le'Veon Bell was on the Steelers and he's like all right like I'm not gonna play because Le'Veon Bell's on there but then that whole shit with Le'Veon Bell went down so then it's like you know James Conner gets to start as the running back and now like he fast forward to now like he's the guy like he's he's their guy (laughs) and like he crushed it he crushed it and he just you know he just overcame so much and like just hearing his story and his mindset through all this and how positive he was when things were so low uh, you know, you think about, you know, spending your whole life uh, towards one goal of like getting the NFL, playing professional ball, and right as you're there, like right as you're just about there, you you bust your leg and you get cancer. Like, how do you how do you think you're gonna feel after that? And the fact that he was able to keep such a positive mindset, like it was just, I, I recommend anyone uh, to check out that episode just because it's it's just so awesome. It's, it's Where can so they great. find the episode? Uh, you can find any of our stuff on YouTube uh, if you just search the YNK podcast, uh, James Connor, episode four, uh, or you could just look on Spotify or Apple podcasts. Uh, same thing, you know, YNK podcast. Hey, gotta get the plug in, right? Come on, <laughs> gotta plug it. Yeah, gotta plug it. You might cry though if you watch the episode. You might cry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, there's been a couple like that. I mean, even um brendan Schaubs was a little bit emotional too i mean you know i'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of him i saw him live when he came through milwaukee and I, you everybody kind of feel like if you're a fan of him you know his story but you know him and mike really broke that down again kind of years after it's been and it's kind of like looking back at that and, and you kind of think about like the deep emotional state that he had to go through and all that stuff so it's that it's a great story and um Con, james is, is very very um heartfelt and it, it hits you home because I think everybody's gone through at different levels of severity of a, of a tough time. And, you know, when you listen to somebody that's kind of gotten through it and gotten through it wet, you know, very well, um, it's kind of good. And it reassures you that if, you know, not like if they can do it, you can do it, but somebody can do it. So you just got to focus on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that's, that's been great. I'm glad the podcast is going well. Um, I'd love to transition it a little bit back to you now. Um, Talk to me what like the transition was from moving from Boston and, and the East Coast to LA and the West Coast. I hear they're so different. I've never been to LA or New York or Boston, so I'm not sure. I can't speak to it myself. But talk to me through what that was like. Did you feel 
confident you guys were going to crush it because you were with Mike and the boys. Um, did you do it before then? I apologize if I got the timeline wrong, but um, talk me through about some of that and what your mindset was like. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so just as a little backstory, when, <clears throat> when I uh, finished college, I lived in Manhattan, New York for about four or five years. Uh, and in that time, like I wasn't living with Mike or any of the other guys. Like it was just, I was living with buddies and stuff and whatever. Um, and New York's great. Uh, New York's probably one of the best cities in the world, to be honest with you. Um, just like the, it's so fucking cliche and corny, but like, honestly, like the energy in that city is just through the fucking roof and it, it motive it's so motivating to live in that city and especially as an entrepreneur working for yourself, like, cause you're just constantly surrounded. It's almost the same feeling you get when you go to the gym, um, and you work out, you're surrounded by other people working out. And that, that's, that's the difference between like working out at home by yourself, being surrounded by a bunch of other people working hard, almost motivates you to work harder. And that's almost what this entire city felt like 24 seven, you know? So mm -hmm. it was such like a great place. I don't know, honestly, don't, I don't know if I would have seen any success if I, you know, lived anywhere outside of college, uh, just because just the work ethic that that city drives you to have, um, which is so fantastic. And, and like, you know, business aside, it's a fun city, you know, you, uh, bars open till four, um, everything's so tight knit and like easy to, you know, transport around on the subway and what, like walking, whatever, like everything's just so tight knit. Yep. Um, and then after that, like probably, you know, after living there for four or five years, um, you know, obviously Mike and me and a few other people all decided to move out to LA together. And in a way I was lucky there too, cause I, you know, I wasn't moving to a new city by myself. Um, mm -hmm. just left to figure it out on my own. Like we were already kind of at like a, you know, a decent level of success and we got to kind of move out together, uh, you know, like under our style <laughs> and, and live under one roof. So, you know, that, that was an easy transition for, for sure. The hardest transition was just living in New York versus living in LA. Cause like you said, just fucking polar opposites, you know, mm -hmm. the things that are great about each city are just like the pros and cons are just different for each city. Um, and everything I just said about New York, like LA is not that. <laughs> <laughs> so LA, everything's lazy. Everything's yeah, far away from like, each other. <laughs> like LA, um, no, I don't mean it in that way. I mean, people, I know, but people, but like it is, it is way more laid back here. Um, sometimes I feel like people don't even work here because like there's traffic at like, you know, one in the afternoon. It's like, why aren't these people at work? <laughs> um, yeah. My, like, like I walk outside and like all the street parking is taken at like 12 noon on like a Wednesday. I'm like, why aren't these people working? <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. It's like, I don't know what people are doing in this city. Um, but LA is just, you know, it's, <laughs> LA you have to you know force yourself to work harder because there's just so many more distractions here it's always nice outside like the chicks are more attractive you know uh there's the beach there's hiking there's like shit to do uh and it's like it's just a relaxing like comfortable city to live in mm -hmm. um but like any you know any entrepreneur knows that being comfortable is probably not a good thing you know <laughs> you always want like a fire under your ass so that's I struggled definitely for like the first couple of years living out here because like, um, you know, I was just like living with my buddies in like a place that's always sunny. <laughs> so right. like, I'm like, I'm like, this is sick. I, I don't have to work hard. This is sick. Uh, I'm definitely since then been getting like back into the swing of things. But um, yeah, for the time being, like LA has been great. I, it's been really good to us and especially in the music industry and the film industry. Like this is pretty much the place to be. Um, it doesn't really compare to New York uh, at all, really. That's awesome. I'm glad that it's going well for you, kind of getting that fire lit back up under your butt now. Um, I imagine, especially after the kind of the primrose, you, you started that. That was probably the time um, where it really started to get going. Um, another question I have for you, especially um, as you have kind of these great goals of making movies, doing um, screenwriting, what in your mind like is is the level of which you're okay of like, all right, like that's where I want it to be. I've made it. Is it, you know, making a blockbuster movie? Is it, you know, screenwriting a, a movie that wins an Oscar? What, what is that for you in your mind? Because I know it's different for everyone. Um, Man, that's so hard to say. Like, yeah, to be honest with you, man, like I just want, like I always like 
rethunk my goals like year after year and like if if you were asking me like four or five years ago i'd say like well i want to win a grammy and i want to win an academy award i want i want like i want both you know mm-hmm. but if if you ask me now it's like i don't care about those type of accolades my my main goal i feel like uh always since the start has been to like you know create content that um conveys an emotion to people mm-hmm. uh, and makes people feel a certain way whether it's happiness or you know contemplating something in their life or uh or anything you know or something positive um yeah. and w- whether it's you know in the form of music or in the form of a podcast or in the form of a movie um but my goal is just to you know create that content at the highest level possible you know for as many people to see it and hear it as possible whether it wins awards or not like i don't really care about that <laughs> it's just about you know sharing my messages and with as many people as possible it sounds like you've almost matured a little bit on it and kind of understand more of what's important to you now right oh yeah i turned 30 so <laughs> <laughs> you can't just blame it on a number come on <laughs> um no i think that's that's interesting and i'm i'm i was honestly curious i had no expectation for answers so that that was great i appreciate you kind of peeling back the curtain on that um and if we could go a little bit deeper i would love to know um if and what you struggled with going out of college and into the real world you hit on the fact that you kind of moved to new york city you you know were living with buddies you were working hard um but was there a transition period what was that transition period like and what were you really kind of struggling with transitioning from especially i imagine living in a frat house to kind of manhattan yeah i mean you go from long island to you know the middle of manhattan automatically you're put into a shoebox so like (laughs) there's a little claustrophobia there um yeah honestly like financial dependencies like you know in new york like the most expensive city to live in and uh but if anything like that just motivated me more you know like that motivated me to be like all right like i have to make this much money a month to live right and if i don't then it's over like i'm out (laughs) so like so like i can't really say that was a bad thing that was a that was a great thing um that's i feel like i've always like lived above my means for that reason to be like well (laughs) rent's coming around like i I better bust my ass or like i'm moving out (laughs) um so um but yeah transition was i'm trying to like think mentally were you struggling with anything i imagine like was the party scene a lot to deal with because going into manhattan's got to be kind of crazy too yeah i mean the the party never really stopped that was like i mean it still hasn't stopped <laughs> that's yeah, been the only yeah. that's been the only constant in my life with like just me partying uh <laughs> that just has kind of like stayed like this the, <laughs> since like you know the age 17 until now nice. um um i would say and I, I touched I touched on this in my movie a little bit, but like it's kind of like, in a way, I was a little alienated with what I was doing because I was kind of, especially with like the people I surrounded myself with then, um, and I felt I felt it even more when I went to my uh, my five year high school reunion. A lot of high schools don't do five years, but mine did, and at your five year reunion, you're like you're 23 years old. You've only been in like the real world for a year and like no one really has their shit together yet but like everyone's kind of like on their way to doing something and you know like i went to it and you know obviously like i was the black sheep it's like everyone's like oh like i'm you know working i'm a real estate broker here or like i'm doing this here and uh i'm like engaged or like and you know my answer is like oh well like i have a recording studio in my bedroom and i make beats all day and like i shoot music videos for rappers (laughs) and it's like and like you tell that to people and they're like you know in the back of their head they're like okay buddy like what's like what's this guy's deal (laughs) like i don't know what happened to him like that type of thing uh almost like a little bit of like disbelief and Mm you know being you know being like alienated by like your peers is you know it's it's not always a good thing and if anything it it generates self-doubt sometimes um so for me it's like and even the people i was living with my best friend i was living with you know he uh he worked for like some finance com big finance company in the city so he'd be like getting up putting a suit on every day and going to work and seeing the juxtaposition of that of like me rolling out of bed uh in my like pajamas and like you know drinking a red bull and making music (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. you know 10 feet from my bed every day 
it's kind of like, you know, what am I doing? Like, is this, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so like getting past that, like was probably the biggest hurdle. Uh, and then just eventually just not fucking giving a shit. And then eventually even after that, just being around more like-minded people who were kind of like having the same goal as I was. And, you know, when you work with musicians, especially who are like, are gung ho about like, this is what I'm doing. And like, you know, I know it's going to be a long shot, but I'm going to be a musician and, you know, whether it takes two years or 10 years, like I'm, I'm to make it, I'm going to do it. Like being around those people, it's like, okay, like I'm not alienated anymore. I'm around like-minded people. So yeah. that was, that was probably like the hardest transition. Oh, that, yeah, that, that's really good. And I think especially, I think it, your particular scenario is less happening now because of the internet boom, probably since your five-year high school reunion, right? Where like, this is kind of now common where people are like, oh, I just wake up and I vlog every day or I wake up and I make music every day. So that's kind of got to be interesting to watch. You'd be surprised though. I mean, I, um, I, I went to my, my 10 year reunion recently too, which is fucking scary to say, but (laughs) I think I'm just making you feel old during this podcast. Yeah, I know. Like, (laughs) fuck, (laughs) I need, I need a fucking drink. Um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. Even at the tenure though, like I mean, I, I went to kind of a stuffy high school. Like I went to a, um, a private high school, uh, in my hometown in Massachusetts. And like, dude, like people like me, like do not exist in that school. Like I was like, I, even at my tenure reunion, like everyone's like what, 28 years old at their tenure. Yeah. And man, everyone was just like, compared to the five year, like where everyone's like excited about the world and like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for life. And then, like, everyone's just so broken down at the tenure, and, like, they either, like, hate their jobs or they're, like, you know, just starting to be parents, which is not a bad thing, but, like, you know, having, like, young kids around and that responsibility. Uh, and just, like, just, like, seeing all these broken down people and then, like, and I'm there, and that, that, that's the time when I was on, like, a reality TV show when we got our show, This Is Mike Stud picked up, and mm-hmm. that was, like, uh, I, I believe it was just starting to air on tv so like i'm a reality tv star at this point and like everyone else is like selling insurance and like changing diapers so like talk about like still being alienated yeah that's <laughs> um, true. and like you know out of everyone there like there was like one buddy who's like yeah i quit my job in dc and i'm like starting like a french fry business i'm like yeah it's fucking awesome dude like finally like someone's doing something cool you know like yeah <laughs> so so like yeah like more people are doing it these days but like at the same time like a lot of people aren't at all that's true that is very true um one question i have for you because you did this for a long time and i won't keep i won't take too much longer of your time i appreciate it um Mm -hmm. when you were waking up every day and you were grinding it out in manhattan and you were working with all these awesome artists did you have a day or days where you kind of woke up and you were like fuck i just don't want to do it today like Maybe this isn't working. Uh, you know, you talk about the monetary aspect of kind of keeping that motivation going. But did you still ever have those days mentally? And if you did, how did you kind of overcome that? Because I know there's days where I feel like that, where I'm going to record a podcast and I'm just not mentally there, beat down from my day job or, you know, just kind of exhausted with whatever else is going on. You know, how do you kind of break those walls and kind of keep pushing through them? Um. Man, like I, I kind of, and I don't want to be redundant, but I kind of already touched on it. And like, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it really comes down. And this is like such an important lesson for, for people to eliminate self doubt. Um, and you know, not believing in yourself. It's honestly just being around like-minded people. Sure. Um, if you're around people that you can't relate to or who don't motivate you, um, to get closer to your goal, then, uh, you're fucked. You're so fucked. You were just like ultimately so fucked. Um, Mm -hmm. and the best part about what I was doing is like, I wasn't in it on my own. You know, I was being a producer. It's a collaborative effort. So like, you're always constantly working, you know, I was working with up and coming people who weren't shit, you know, like no one knew who the fuck they were for the most part. And it's like, they, they had this fire under their ass that I had too. And like being around Mm -hmm. that man and like, and like, you know, not, not everyone's that lucky to be in that type of like collaborative business, you know, like some people, you know, they want to start their own business and like they're really are by themselves. And yeah. all I can say is like, you know, figure out a way to be around like-minded people who are doing the same thing that you're doing and that who will encourage you and, you know, who, and you can encourage each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
because mind, mindset is everything, I mean, you know, like mindset's everything, uh, especially in those times. And self-doubt is just like a fucking disease and it's, it, it's, it's just not good. So, um, for me, like the only thing that eliminated self-doubt was just being around like-minded people. That, and it, it holds you accountable too, especially if you kind of are not working with, but like alongside somebody, you know, I actually do this co this, um, podcast with a co-host who's at unfortunately busy this evening but you know him and i we have uh, opposite ends of what we're good at he's very good content and marketing and i'm kind of been audio and you know more have more experience on the mic um but like on days that i don't want to do it he's there he's pumping me up he's we're right where you know he's getting me going and vice versa and that's kind of nice and it you know parallels with what you're saying of just finding those people who are like-minded especially mm -hmm. people who have good attitudes towards things and not negative attitudes, because that can always also be a disease, much like mm -hmm. self-doubt. Um, yep, exactly. Last question for you uh, before we wrap this up. And it's another one that we commonly ask a lot of our guests. And I'm, I'm very curious, and it may, you may have already said it, and uh, or at least be similar to something you've already said. If you could go back in time to 21-year-old John Kilmer and tell him mm -hmm. one thing, what would it be? Only Wear one thing. Condom. <laughs> <laughs> nice no i'll give you a cool. better answer. i'll give you a better answer <laughs> that would be the john kilmer answer all right <laughs> no i'll give you a better answer than that. um i would say like the one thing that i'm working on now that i still haven't perfected but that i'm working on now mm -hmm. uh, that i did not have when i was 21 i always had ambition uh i i was always positive I always worked hard, but man, like focus, I, as far as focus, focus is so important, especially when you're trying to pursue multiple fields like film and music. If you don't have focus to, to like create a plan and follow through, then, you know, you just, you, you just get so fucked and, uh, I'm still working on it now. And like, I'm realizing like, okay, like if I want to pursue music and pursue like a filmmaking career, like there are people out there who are only pursuing, you know, one or the other and they're spending their entire lives like, you know, from the moment they wake up to the moment they fall asleep, you know, working at that. Mm -hmm. And it's like if I'm trying to pursue two things, I have to do I have to work twice as hard, you know, like I have to almost live like two lives. I have to like you know, make uh, one day feel like it's two days. I have to work that hard. And, and that's that's not just hard work. That's focus. It's it's, it's focusing and, and doing the due diligence to um you know take each of those crafts seriously and spending the time uh on it efficiently uh so you know just just being ambitious and working hard isn't enough you know focus is that other thing that if you don't have you know you're not going to accomplish uh you know what you want uh, or uh, you're not going to accomplish anything at a high level so that that's what i would definitely tell myself i would just say wear a condom and focus <laughs> and focus. I love that. Um, make it a t-shirt. <laughs> make it a t-shirt. Do it. <laughs> um, no, I think that that's a great answer, actually, and something I'm also working on. You know, I, as I mentioned, do two podcasts. I have a day job. I just started um, taking jujitsu classes, and I've been putting a lot of time into that. Um, on top of trying to weightlift and and have no, a that, that's great. And, and when you're, how, how old are you, by the way? Uh, I'm 26. Yeah. So like, dude, like your twenties, like, I mean, the way I feel about it, like your twenties, you should be like trying new shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and it's fine. It's fine. If you're not, you know, die hard, you know, I'm going to be the best I can be at all these things in your twenties. In your twenties, you should be figuring out what the fuck makes you hard. And that's a metaphor, obviously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, just figure out like what gets your rocks off, man. And like, it's, I, I feel like I always kind of knew deep down, but like now, like now it's taken me this long to this point to be like, okay, like I, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to really do this, I got to fucking buckle the fuck down and focus on everything that I'm working on. And there's no like, Ooh, I want to try like pottery. I want to try like, no, none of that shit. Like, like, yeah. this is what I want. This is where I like what I want to get out of it. And like, I need to focus. So it's, it's just all about focus. No, I like that, and I appreciate the actual extra detail because I think that does make sense because now you're kind of like, all right, I've done a lot of different things. You said you kind of knew, but now it's like these are what I'm going for. You really need to put the pedals and metal on those things specifically. <laughs> Got it. Um, all right, so before we wrap it up, how can people watch The Primrose? When does it come out, and where can people view it? 
Theme sure. Uh, yeah. My, yeah. My first film, The Primrose, is technically not out yet, but uh, I did this a while ago and I'm still doing it now. If you uh, DM me on social media, um, Instagram or Twitter, I'm at John Kilmer, J-O-N with no H, J-O-N Kilmer. Uh, just shoot me a DM and say you want to watch it and I'll shoot you a private Vimeo link with a password and you can check it out. And, you know, hopefully in the near future, we're looking to get it up on some type of platform where people can uh, just watch it or rent it like on Amazon or something like that. Awesome. So do that. Um, thank you for your time um, and plug the podcast, you know, YNK. Uh, you never know. You know what I mean? Podcast with uh, Mike Stubb. And the boys on sometimes uh, Blue appears, but I don't know if he really ever makes a lot of sense there. Um, and uh, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you didn't have to take the time. So it shows how awesome of a guy you are uh, kind of giving back to your fans like me and everybody else out there. So um, go follow him. Go follow Mike. Go follow the podcast. DM him, watch the video, support him as much as you can. And uh, follow us at um, Casual Millennials Podcast on all socials, casualmillennialspodcast.com. And if you're interested at being a guest or have uh, an idea for a guest, shoot us a message, DM us, email us, casualmillennialspodcast at gmail.com. I'm at Jakubitz at J-A-K-U-B-I-C-Z on Twitter. It's where I'm most active. Um, but Andrew Jakubitz on everything else. So appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about us. And John, thank you very much. Thanks, man. Easy. Um, all right, man. I really appreciate that. That was awesome. A great conversation. Yeah, that was great, dude. Um, I, if you would be willing to send me a, a private a Vimeo link to the movie, I'd love to watch it. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll send it on. Um, can I give you some like? Can I give you like ten, twenty bucks for letting me rent it from you? <laughs> no, dude. It's just it's free. Come on. Take it. Are you sure? I don't want. I don't want your freaking money. No way. I'm trying to support you. Like you made <laughs> it. Let me do it. I, if if you spend the time to sit and watch it, that's supporting me. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I'll let you go. Thanks again. Um, and then, yeah, I just really appreciate it. No problem, dude. Anytime. It was good All to right. be on here. Have a good night, bro. Take it easy.